are in a Hot Topics series. Everyone say Hot Topics. Uh, it is a fun series because we get to talk about just that, hot topics. We get to talk about difficult things that might be hot button topics, might be, might be unique things that we don't like to talk about in these days or that are really hard to kind of come to a consensus on. So we talked about, first week, we talked about how to lose your friends. Second week, we talked about, we talked about depression and anxiety, which, by the way, go subscribe to our podcast and help me share it. Um, if you can rate and review it, if you search Undivided Youth on iTunes, you can find it, you can subscribe, rate it, share it. It'll, I think it'll help some people. We've had a lot of good feedback on that message in particular. But you can subscribe to that, and uh, we'll be uploading our weekly messages, and we'll be doing some midweek content, I think, too. So that'll be a fun opportunity. But tonight, we want to talk about social media. Uh, how, many of you, uh, how many of you have some sort of social media account? Does anyone here, like... You are so, you are like so hipster that you don't have any social media. Is there anyone? Anyone? I actually believe you, Asante, and I love you for it. How many of you have more than five social media accounts of some sort? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat. How many of you, no, 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 listen, listen. How many of you have more than one account for the same platform, meaning you got an Insta, a Finsta, and a Sinsta. Anyone? And a Rinsta. I guess that's a thing. I was looking it up. A Rinsta just stands for real Instagram, as if Instagram shouldn't just be real in the first place. A Rinsta. Really? I think there's one for every letter of the alphabet. Zinsta, Kinsta, Binsta and Dinsta. I don't know what they are, but they are definitely things. And there's no question that today in our society, social media has dramatically affected how we live, how we interact. Uh, it is not uncommon for you to be at a restaurant and look to your right, see a family of four where the mom and the dad are more in tune to their phones than they are their kids, and they don't realize it, that their kids acting out is actually a reflection of a need for attention that they do not get from their parents. It's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it funny how we could be at a table getting coffee with two people? Like, I saw this the other day. Two people were getting coffee, like sitting together, and every few minutes they would sit up and say something or show the phone, and then they'd go right back into it. On Facebook, just scrolling through. Like, let me tell you, what a day we live in. That is such a way to live. It's so exciting. Like, you can sit with someone for coffee and not even enjoy their company because you are so caught up with someone who's not important on the other side of your screen. Isn't it interesting? And I'm not even trying to point the finger because 100% of us in here who have a smartphone, which they would say that 95% of young people in our generation have a smartphone today. No matter what class that you're in, no matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter. You can go into the darkest, most impoverished areas and you can find smartphones everywhere. So we all have smartphones. We all have access to it. And yet it's interesting because today we are probably more disconnected than we've ever been. And so I wanted to talk about social media, and I'm not just going to talk about social media in particular, but I want to talk about really our own hearts and our posture and make sure that we don't ever get to the point where we become the people who are actually enslaved to what used to be something that set us free. Because the reality is, is all of these novelties that we have today, smartphones, internet access, social media, cars, you name it, any of the modern amenities that we have, those have the potential to give us a level of freedom that we didn't know before we had them. Like the day you got your driver's license, you had a new freedom, or the day that you got your phone or whatever. But the reality is, is if we're not careful, we become enslaved to what once set us free. And so I want to talk about this because I think it's important, and if we're not careful, we don't know how to follow Jesus well in the midst of it. See, the goal, I, like, I'm never the kind of person who likes to, like, dog Snapchat, you know? 
Like, and I, I, don't, I don't really give a crap if you have a Snapchat. I won't go there because that's not what I'm, what I'm here to do. I'm not here to tell you get off Snapchat or delete your Finsta. But what I am here to say is that it is important that you and I are able to follow Jesus well. And if we're not careful, we end up putting in our own obstacle, we put in front of us obstacles that prevent us from being able to follow Jesus. And the moment that happens is when God kind of gets frustrated, which we will read here in just a moment. I don't care if you have Snapchat. I don't care if you have nine social media accounts. I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care. But what I do care is that that we're able to navigate, how do I follow Jesus today? Because the day that we live in is pretty messed up. It's pretty weird. It's pretty dark. It's difficult. It is not easy to navigate all this stuff. So what we have to ask God to do is help us to have wisdom and discernment and insight into how to navigate through these cultural days so that we can get on the other end and see God and he say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you want to follow Jesus well today? Most of us in here, awesome. So I want to read, I want to read this uh, scripture, two scriptures, one in Galatians 5, but then you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. I'll read one verse in Galatians 5 and then uh, we'll read in Exodus 20. Galatians 5.1, this will provide us a little bit of context in the New Testament. It says this in verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now I want to read one other scripture in Exodus 20. We'll read in verse 1. This is God just having rescued his people. A little bit of backstory. God freed his people. God rescued the people of, of Israel. They were enslaved. And, you know, what we see in the story of, of God's people throughout the days in the New and the Old Testament is they went back and forth. They were in slavery and bondage. They got free. And then they were in slavery again. And then they got free. And over and over again, they would wander from God and come back to God. And God's heart through it all was always, I don't like seeing my people enslaved. I don't like seeing them oppressed. And so God sees the, the Egyptian regime uh, enslaving all of his people. So through a series of major miracles, 10 plagues, God frees the people of Israel, led by Moses. He leads them out, a million, maybe two million people, all together, migrating in this large group. God rescues them with miracles, uses many other miracles from the parting of the Red Sea, to fire at night, to cloud by day, manna from heaven. God in every way provided for the people to remind them, I don't like seeing you enslaved. I want to see you free. I'm leading you forward. I have better things for you in your future. Keep following me. God's constantly reminding his people that I've got you. And then he takes Moses in the middle of this because people tended to keep wanting to go back to idols. He takes him up to a mountain. He gives them the Ten Commandments. It says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, reminding his people, hey, remember, I was faithful. Remember, I was faithful. Remember, I took care of you. Remember, I'm here for you. He brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. In, in other words, no images of anything at all should you make so that you can worship it. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. It's interesting. You shall have no other gods before me. God sees the people They're enslaved, they are bound, and he says, I don't like it when my people are bound. I don't like it when they're enslaved, so I'm going to set them free. I'm going to take them out of their bondage, and I'm going to give them everything they need so they don't have to go back to Egypt. But here's some rules. It's interesting because a lot of times we see God wants to set us free, but God never sets us free 
and then eliminates any boundaries. God will never set you free from something and say, go for it. There's no boundaries. Do whatever you want. Now, our culture would say otherwise. I can tell you that. All you've got to do is watch. Is our culture says, boundaries don't matter. Do what you feel. Go where you want. Whatever your heart tells you, whatever your heart says, just follow it. Worst advice ever, but anyways. Culture says, go do whatever you want. No boundaries. God says, I want you free, so I'm going to give you boundaries so that you can stay free. I I know this as a father. I've got a 2.7-year-old. She will be three this September. She is wonderful, but she's crazy. And she loves to push our boundaries right now. She loves pushing boundaries. She, she is doing it all the time, whether it be bedtime. She wants us to sing nine songs and we leave. And then she says, wait, I need you to cover my toesies and, and all these different things. She wants us to come back in the room because she's milking it because she's testing the boundaries. And uh, it's hard to put your foot down because you just, she's so cute and she's so funny until she starts banging her head on the, on the side of her bed because she doesn't want you to leave. But anyways, one particular time just recently, actually, uh, she, she has grown this if affinity for necklaces. She loves necklaces, loves Noelle's necklaces, loves any necklace she can get her hands on. She loves to wear them because they're pretty necklaces. And so... We had these necklaces that don't really mean much, and they're just full of beads, and so we'll let her wear those around the house and destroy them, and it's no big deal. They're not that nice and everything, but one of the rules, one of the boundaries that we have is that you cannot wear your necklace to bed. Can't wear it to bed because if she were to wear it to bed, she might choke or you know, might get stuck on something or it might break or whatever, so we don't want her to do that, so you have to take it off when you go to bed. So we give her a nap, and I think we had the necklace sitting on her uh, little table on the side of the room. Well, through the course of her nap, somehow she gets a hold of this necklace, puts it on, falls asleep, and then through the course of that time, she ends up either biting the necklace or pulling it apart, and all of the beads fall apart. So Noelle, later in the nap time, hears Hayden saying, Mom, I, I pooped my diaper, I pooped my diaper. And so, so Noelle comes up into the room, and she's like, okay, let's change you. And then she sticks her hand down and says, look, I pooped and, uh, in, into her diaper. And so Noel's like, oh, gosh, she has to wipe it out. And then she puts her on the table. And then she takes off the diaper. And what, what she did not expect was to see the necklace inside the diaper. But what happened was Hayden had taken all of these beads and said, oh, no, I broke the necklace. But I want to keep the beads safe. So she shoved them into her poopy diaper. So, so as she takes her pants off and her, you know, all this kind of stuff, I won't go into detail because you, you don't need to know yet. You know? And everyone's like, no, please don't. But she takes them off and all of these poopy beads start to fall out. <laughs> and it's just so gross. And I was just laughing. Noelle called me. I was at work. I was like, I'm so glad that you had to deal with that. That is such a good story and I'm glad I didn't have to be there for it. And it's funny though because... Because what what Hayden wants is she wants the freedoms of whatever it is that she desires. Every morning she wakes up, she comes into our room, she goes straight to the necklaces and she says, I want to wear mommy's pretty necklace. Every single morning. But we know that she is not ready to handle what we would give her. So we have had restrictions and boundaries so that not so that she can be without, but so that she can be protected and so that she can know how to handle what we give her. It's interesting about boundaries. A lot of times we don't want them because we think that we can do whatever we want in our own wisdom, but the reality is the reason that God sets up boundaries is so that we can actually be more free than if we had no boundaries because the paradox of no boundaries is that you are more bound than you were before because you are a slave to your own wisdom and your own self, which is not a good master. You need God. So God gives us boundaries. And the, I'll, I'll tie this into social media in a second, but what I want to talk about tonight is the reality that at times what we do is we have these things that we think that we want or that we think that satisfy or that we think will be the thing that will help define us, but in reality, we always end up wanting 
more. We'll speak tonight on the subject for the next few minutes. Jesus did not die for your aesthetic. Jesus didn't die for your aesthetic. Let's pray and uh, we'll talk about this. God, thank you so much for your word. We pray that as we hear it, that it would take root in our hearts and that we would be those that um, allow it as it takes root to bear fruit and fruit that remains. God, we don't want to be people who have a Christianity that lasts through high school. We want, be a, we want to be the kind of people who their, their, their relationship with you, God, that it goes beyond these years and writes a legacy for the rest of our lives. God, we're not here for now. We're here for the long haul. And so we thank you, God, that you are imparting things into us that will outlast these years. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. How many of you have ever had um, something in your life that you can't not notice? I, I, for me, I can't not notice noises in my car. Uh, Noel hates it, but if there's the slightest little noise, I can't, I can't handle it. I will punch the dash because there's a little tick. I will whack everything that's in the back seat because there's a little zipper that is dangling and I can hear the clack. I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. I can't handle misspelled words and even more, I can't handle misused words. That is the worst. They're there. You're your, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you're and you, oh, it's the worst. I, I, I like, there's this one local coffee shop that sometimes I'll go to, and because I like variety, and, and uh, one day I was going to meet with a group of youth pastors, and so I go upstairs in this particular coffee shop that will remain unnamed, and I go upstairs, and I'm just going to plant there for a few minutes and do some studying before they come in, and and so I'm sitting up there, and I look, and to my dismay, I saw something that actually ruined my day and has, has haunted my dreams ever since. And I'm sitting there, and I see the new decorations that they had. It's this whole airplane theme, and there's, you know, there's propellers and little planes and art and all this kind of stuff, and it's wonderful. Just wonderful. They, they, they spent time and money, and I, I, you know, I applaud them for that. But then I look on the wall, and I see probably the most expensive thing of all. I see all of these letters that were handcrafted and made out of metal and bent just the right way and real beautiful. And it says, the hanger. Now, if you know, there is such thing as an airplane hanger. But that is not what I read on this wall. I read the word, the hanger. An airplane hanger is spelt H-A-N-G-A-R. But they had the audacity... To spell it H-A-N-G-E-R, as if it is a clothing hanger. What I still plan to do to this day when I remember it is take a hanger from my house and go hang it on one of the letters just to spite them. It frustrates me so much. And what, what's even worse is now that every time I go there, I can't go upstairs because I look at it and I get angry. And it serves as a reminder for why I hate that coffee shop. It's not because of the people. They are very sweet, very nice, very kind people. They are always very warm-hearted towards me. There have been times where they've given me free drinks. They always give me high fives. They've brought me free food. They are a local business. The owner gives me a hug when she sees me and asks me about my kids. But when I go upstairs, <laughs> it is a constant reminder of why... I can't hang it, can't handle it, can't hang it. See, it's just, it's in me. <clears throat> See, idols in high places, this is just something that we want to look at. In those days, there were idols, and oftentimes those idols were placed in high places. And I want to talk about what that looks like. Idols. Idols were something that was oftentimes translate, translated as an image, something that was portrayed to represent something. An idol is an image that mimics something real, but without any substance. I'll say it again. An idol is a mere image, statue, thing that mimics something that is real, but has no real substance. Does that sound familiar? You ever seen somebody's social media handle? You look at their feed. They're a real human. 
they're good looking, and their feed is like, whoa, you spend a lot of time on this. But then you meet them face to face and they're empty. You ever met somebody who is confident online and you look at them, they don't even have, know how to have a conversation in person? You ever met that? I hate it. I see it all the time. I'll, I will see students who they've got thousands of followers, which I don't know if they paid for them or they're just really that popular online or something or what, but then I meet them in person. They can't even make eye contact. They can't talk. They have no personality. I'm like, you are not a likable human. How do you have this audience? It's interesting. Why? Because they portray something that's real, but in reality, there's no depth. There's no substance. There's no authenticity. There's nothing beneath the surface. See, idols were often placed on high places. High places were what it sounds like. It was a high place. It was elevated. Oftentimes, it was a statue or it was a building or it was a monument that was placed on a hill or on the top of a mountain or on the top of a building or even inside the room of a home. It was a high place. It was elevated as if to draw attention to itself. A lot of times it was at the entrance of a town or a city or a community or a a, a synagogue or, you know, a place of worship or a community center. They were at the entrance as if to draw attention to themselves. So the idols, what they would be is they would be something that is placed in a public setting. It was meant to be seen. It was meant to be out front and it was meant to draw attention to itself. It was meant to be something that you would notice when you saw it, and it would draw your attention to it. You would see it every time you walk by. Hanger, 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 hanger. I hate you. I hate you. I need better coffee. Hanger. It was a constant reminder. It was always there. You couldn't ignore it. People would come from afar, oftentimes, to admire, to worship, to find healing. They would go to these places to find what they were looking for. They were constant reminders. And here's the thing. In those days, we like to say, I'm glad there's no more idols these days. There are idols, probably more than there ever have been. We just let them hide behind the internet and behind the screen and in our pockets and in our rooms and on our walls, that's where the idols are. They are not just statues. Sometimes it's posters. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it is a social media account. Sometimes it's a reputation that's not actually reflective of your heart and your character. Whatever it might be, idols are absolutely real today. We have them, and we set them up. And what they represent is the value system that you have in your life. The idols of those days would be indicative of the value system that that community had. Your idols represent your value system in your life. The interesting thing about idols, and I'll bring it back to social media here in a second, is idols, what they became was the dominant picture. If you could write anything down or get anything from tonight, is you have to be careful of what becomes your dominant picture in your life. If you're not careful, it won't matter how many times you lift your hands to worship God. It won't matter how many times you go to camp. It won't matter how many times you give your life back to God. It won't matter how many times you say you're going to be different this time. It won't matter how many times you determine to change. It will not matter Because what you're keeping in front of you as your dominant picture is contradictory to what you say that you want. And if we're not careful, our dominant picture becomes the opposite of what we know deep down that we do want. Because this is it. Your dominant picture becomes what you worship. Whatever your dominant picture is becomes what you worship. Worship. Whatever your dominant picture is becomes what you worship. It's not the other way around. I had many years in high school where I'd worship God, but God was not my dominant picture. The screen was the dominant picture. The relationship was the dominant picture. The, the, the struggles were the dominant picture. My own desires, dominant picture. 
So it didn't matter how many times I'd show up on a Wednesday, feel sincere in my heart and say, God, I want you again. This time it's real. This time it's for real. And I take the, all the stuff back from 10 minutes ago, please. Forgive me. Oh, yes. Yes. And the goosebumps come and they, oh, yes, God. Your presence. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. But your dominant picture is the music you listen to. Your dominant picture is what you go home and watch. Your dominant picture suddenly takes over. See, I don't think God actually cared about idols. I don't think God actually had a problem with a statue. Because if he, if he, it's like, think about it. Do you think God was like intimidated by Baal? Do you think God is intimidated by Islam? Do you think God is intimidated by any other religion or any opposition? Friends, I don't know if you knew this. God created the world. God wrote the story. God already has the victory. God did it from eternity, and he sees it. He saw the beginning, and he saw the end, and he authored it, and he protected it. He watches over it. It is not up to us to determine the end of the story. God has already done it. God is not intimidated by your social media. He's not intimidated by the idol. But what we do see in scripture is it says God is a jealous God. God wants your attention. God wants your worship. The reason that God was so pissed off about all these idols is because it, take, it took all of the attention off of him and it put it on the idol. And he said, you know what? That idol has nothing on me. That idol can't love you. That idol can't heal you. That idol can't protect you. That idol won't walk with you when you lose everything. That idol won't comfort you when you have nothing else. That idol won't be your friend when you have nothing else. All of that idol is, is a thing sitting on a table and it cannot, cannot do for you what I can do for you. So God's over here saying, hey, stop making that your dominant picture because it can't do anything for you. There's a reason that Israel, time and time again, went back to God and said, God, this time we mean it. Why? Because they started to see the fruit of their idol worship, and they realized there's nothing that it has on the power of God. Friends, can I tell you, there is nothing that your own desires here, there's nothing that your idol, there's nothing that your aesthetic has on the name and the power of God in your life. There's nothing on it. You, you, it can't touch it. But what God gets frustrated at is when he sees that become the dominant picture because he knows that when it's the dominant picture, it becomes what you worship. He's not concerned about the statues, the images, the high places, the colors, the scents, the fabrics, the height, the size, the gold, the wealth of it. God does not care about those things. God cares that you're fulfilled. God cares that you know you have purpose. And the reason, friends, the reason that social media is such a big deal is because it takes over, it becomes our dominant picture, and it robs us of the ability to experience true fulfillment and freedom in this life. I don't want you to go from here and delete your social media. I have an Instagram and I think it's decent. Don't know how to do the filters where my whole feed matches up. Um, and if someone could show me, I would appreciate it. Because I want my feed to look better. Because when you look at it, it's like, that's cluttered. It doesn't work. It's not good. I'm not very good at it. No, for real. I, like, I need some help. <laughs> but I guess maybe I'm thankful I'm thankful that I grew up in the day of dial-up modems, that you had to plug your computer into your phone, and you'd hear the, and it would dial up, and you, and you knew you were, like, you were cool. If you were on AOL Instant Messenger, you could stay logged in for you know, a week. There was one guy who was popular in our school because he had been logged in for over a year, and you could see that on there because it was a novelty because he had a cable modem. And none of you have any clue what I even just said. You don't even know what a dial-up modem was. Jack, the only reason you know is because you lived in Cleelum. Yeah. That's what they're still operating on. 
But the truth is, man, I didn't have to battle what you got to battle today. You have to walk around and compare everybody to their feed. You have to walk around and wonder, did they see that on my snap whatever story? You got to walk around and you're, you're always competing with yourself, making sure that your next post is better. You're always asking, you know, uh, oh, I hope I don't like run out on my streak or whatever it's called on Snapchat. And you really, like that really means a lot to you. And, and I applaud you. And I know that at the end of your life, you will hope like, man, I, the best part of my life, man, I had a streak on Snapchat for nine years and every single day. Can I tell you? You won't. You won't get back. Look back on the end of your life and think of all the posts that you would have posted, wish you would have posted, or all the things that you wish you would have done more. But the reality is, a lot of times what we do is we allow our dominant picture to be something that is empty, has no power, and actually has a hold on us. This is what God says. Here's here's what I want to read. He says, don't make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. That word in the original language, bow down, it means to become a servant of, to become subject to something, to be beneath something. So what God says is don't allow yourself to be subject to or beneath an idol because you're above it. Don't allow the social media that you've got, your image, your online reputation, your aesthetic, your feed, your vibage, don't let that be what leads you. Don't let that be your dominant picture. Don't let that be what leads your life. But instead, we've got people who know how to talk the talk, but in reality, what leads their entire life is what other people think about them, what other people say about them, how people perceive their feed, and all of these different things. I hope you're tracking with what I'm saying, Aaron. I hope that you're hearing what I'm saying. I don't care about your social media. I don't care. I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care how many times you post. I don't care how good it is. I don't care if you represent God on it or not. Don't give a rat's behind. What I care about is your soul. And if you're not careful, it doesn't matter how much you say you're going to Starbucks to do your devos. What in reality is happening is your aesthetic is leading your heart. It's not the Bible, it's not scripture, it's not God, it's not the spirit of God, it's not his vision or plan for your life that is leading you, it is what other people think about you doing that that leads you. Can't tell you how many times I've seen people who are entirely empty and fake, and they are the most vocal about their following of Jesus on their social media. Can I tell you, I know some of the best Jesus followers who have never posted squat about their relationship with God. Because they don't need to tell you what you can see in their life. I don't need to tell you what I'm doing at home. Because I would hope that in my life you would see the evidence of it. I would hope that scripture would make me more kind. And would make me more authentic. And more loving. And more generous. And more outgoing to people. And make me more of an open, loving person. Because it's flowing out of my life. But instead, oftentimes, what we want to do is we want to tell people, look at what I'm doing with my passion tea lemonade at Starbucks on a sunny day doing my devos. Like, who cares? Go do your devos in the closet and tell nobody about it. Let it develop some character in you and go show somebody some love and then we can talk about what you post. I'm tired of people portraying one thing. This is the paradox of social media is that we can portray one thing and in reality it has no bearing on our lives. 
This is when you need to delete your social media. Is when everything that you put on there is an inaccurate representation of who you are. I know people who say, nobody likes me. It's, it's so funny. Some of the people who are just the funnest and funniest, they put, on, they put out, I'm angry and I'm lonely, nobody likes me, you know, as in this backwards way to try and get acceptance. See, it's not just the people who want people to think they're great. Sometimes it's people who want people to think that they're awful. It's people that... I, at the end of the day, what it is, is we're allowing what becomes our dominant picture, what we, what we focus on, what we see, what we look at, what we follow, to be something that is empty, lifeless, void. Your social media is good. We have good social media. We got a great Insta hand, handle. Our feed looks pretty, pretty dope, in my opinion. Susie does a great job leading our creative stuff. I think we kill it. It's good. We have people all the time ask us, How, you know, who does your Instagram? And I like to say, you know, I inspire it, but, you know, <laughs> I've delegated it, you know, empowering others. <laughs> but it doesn't define what happens here. I would hope that we would never portray one thing, and yet there's emptiness here. I would hope that what we would never portray is look at all the hype and in reality there's no life. I would rather portray nothing and let people come in and experience life than portray something that is not happening. And this is the challenge with social media. It takes over, it dictates how you live. Your aesthetic becomes your king. Your feed becomes what feeds you. Your vibe is what feeds your vanity. It's... You're more aware of what the person on a screen thinks of you than what God says about you. So you start to believe lies. I'm too ugly. My butt's too small. I'm not fat enough or I'm not skinny enough. I'm not tall enough. You know, my eyebrows aren't on fleek or whatever we say nowadays. I'm not dark enough. I'm not light enough. I'm not cool enough. I don't get it. And all the while, God's saying... Hey, I got something to say about you, but you've been wasting your time listening to these things that don't say anything. God hated the idols, not because he was like, oh, I hate idols, you know, I want the attention. But because he's saying, they're not saying anything, but you're listening to them. You're listening to these people, these things, these ideologies, these cultures, these ways of thinking. You are letting them dictate you and they are empty. And God's over here saying, I've got value for you. I've got purpose for your life. I've got future for you. I've got hope for you. I've got prosperity for you. I've got good things in your future. And you are letting a piece of cement dictate where you'll go in your life. You're letting your Instagram dictate how you feel about yourself. Friends, can I tell you, your social media says nothing. Get rid of it and allow the word of God to shape how you see yourself. And for that matter, how you see others. Some of you, you judge people. You won't talk to people based on what you think about the outside of them. And yet God is saying there's so much more in them than you might see on the outside. But the social media is saying, look at the feed. There's no depth. There's no substance. It becomes an idol. Give us a couple thoughts about high places. Number one, they're manufactured. They are not real. They have no substance. Remember, they were structures built often on towers, on hills, on mountains, up high, in homes, meant to be seen, meant to be above, meant to dictate the culture of a place. What would happen is people would make a habit out of making these journeys. Oftentimes, they would climb up an entire mountain to go and see this idol and think, this is going to fix something. And in doing so, they would walk down the mountain thinking, okay, now something's going to be different. But in reality, they'd come up wanting, and they'd be empty, and they wished that there was something more. I remember there was this guy um, when Instagram was relatively new. It was a few years ago. And, uh, and I remember he, he kept posting on, on all of his social medias. He's like, 
my goal is to get 5,000 followers. You know, follow me as I go, my road to 5,000. He had a whole hashtag about it and 5,000 followers in every post about getting more followers, <laughs> which is really weird. Um, trying to get followers, getting followers, posting about getting followers, and every, you know, every 250, you know, thanks for all your support. I love this community of people. And, and I remember I messaged him. I was like, hey, bro, like, what's up with this? Like, that's not even real. You know, you're just soliciting fake influence. He's like, hey, man, I'm just trying to build authentic community. You know, what's your deal? Why are you jocking my ish? You know, it's like, I was like, all right, sorry, bro. And it's funny because he got to 5,000. He actually got to 10,000. He got to 25,000. And I remember seeing his posts and seeing 24, 25 likes, which whatever, it doesn't matter. Maybe his posts just weren't very good. But it's funny because years later seeing his posts saying, life sucks. Why is it so empty? I wish I had friends. I wish there was somebody in this world who liked me. I wish there was something to live for. Isn't it funny that what he thought he wanted was a false thing that had no substance, that was manufactured? It was not real. It's empty. Had no real substance. He had 25,000 followers. That many followers, you could get sponsorships. People send you clothes to post pictures about so that you can spread the word. Yet there was nothing. Why? Because we think that by gaining our influence and by getting better and by portraying something that it actually has depth to it, but in reality it's, it's empty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not here to promote or bash some level of social media use. I doubt there's really one person in here who has no social media. I'm a user of it. I have Twitter, I have Facebook, I have Instagram. Deleted my Snapchat, but that's another story. I don't care. I literally do not care what social media you have. What I do care about is are you able to follow Jesus today? And what God hates, when it says he's a jealous God, don't read it in human terms. When it says he's a jealous God, what he's saying is, I want all of you. I want you and all of you. What does Paul say to the, the church here in Galatians? He says, don't, you've been free. Jesus set you free so that you could live free so stop putting in your pathway things that make you not free. Stop putting in front of yourself things that make your life suck. Stop allowing your view of yourself to be shaped by what is on a screen. Stop letting your filter dictate how good or bad that you look. Friends, you are beautiful. God created you in his image. Stop allowing something else to tell you that you're not. Stop allowing how you see others, how you see the future, how you see the world, how you see yourself be shaped by something that is not real. It's not real. It's fake. It's empty. It's void. And it will leave you wanting. This is the thing I love about Jesus is that when we're empty, we can fill it. We can be like the prodigal son. You've heard the story. He gets what he thinks will define his life and give him everything that he thinks he wants. Runs off, squanders everything he's got. He comes back in shame because there's nothing he has left. He's down to eating pig's food. He's down to nothing. He's got a shirt probably torn up on his back. He's worn out, calloused feet, probably smells real bad. And he's on his way home, and his father sees him off in the distance and runs towards him and says, welcome back home. Friends, sometimes we're not running away, but sometimes we're running inside. And we're masking everything because our dad doesn't tell us that we're beautiful. So we try and get somebody else to do it. 
We try and get boys to think, okay, well, if, if he'll tell me that I'm beautiful, which, by the way, any guy who slides into your DMs is a guy who ought to slide out of your life. It's a different story. Any guy, and girls, can I tell you? Can I tell you, ladies? Don't give a freaking ounce of attention to any guy who ever DMs you and says that you're beautiful. Block them, kick them out of your life because they have no business. They are not worthy of you. You are worthy of so much better. Can I tell you again, do not give them your attention. And men, can I tell you, if you've done it before, you get a pass. Men, don't ever do that to a girl. You are not worthy of them if you're doing that. If you're a real man, you can look them in the eye and say, you look beautiful tonight. And then leave it at that. Don't ask them out. Go talk to their dad. You know, I'm, I don't know. I, I, we'll talk about dating next week, okay? But man. It's the 4th of July, whatever. But what we do is we allow, we look for other things to define how we see ourselves. I post these things knowing that I hope that that person sees it. Friends, can I tell you, I'm not, I'm not immune to this. I'm a youth pastor. And by all means, I mean, there are times where I fight with my fingers as I'm ready to post a picture hoping that it will get some sort of attention from some sort of person that might make me feel better about what I'm doing. We're, none of us are immune to it. But in the reality, at the end of the day, it will always leave us wanting more. The only thing that will leave you wanting nothing more is when you are filled by God, where your identity is shaped by who he says you are. I want to invite the keys to come forward as we get ready to close here. Idols, high places. It's manufactured, but it's empty. It doesn't mean anything. And God wants to give you more. Let me say it again. God has a vibrant Incredible, life-giving life for you to live in the midst of these dark days. And it would be a shame for us to allow how we see these days to be shaped by how beautiful that we think somebody else thinks that we are, or how cool, or how good our aesthetic is, or how broad our social media influence is. It's empty, it is void, it means nothing, and you will still be craving something that you can only find. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I have several other points. Idols are more about the look than they are the function. Idols show your value system. Idols in high places, social media, they feed the wrong things. They feed your comparison, your self-hatred, your loneliness, your emptiness, your laziness, your tiredness, your lack of responsibility, your anger, your boredom, your lack of purpose. They feed all of those things. But can I tell you the word of God filling yourself with God's perspective of you, that will feed the right things. So what do we do now? We gotta tear down the high places. Friends, as you close your eyes, some of you, God is speaking to you right now, saying you need to make a major, not a minor, but a major adjustment with your social media. Some of you, that means you need to delete. Some of you, you have Finstas, like for real, you have fake Instagrams that portray an entirely different image of yourself and it, you need to delete it because you are projecting double-mindedness. You are projecting hypocrisy and you are making it impossible for you yourself to authentically follow Jesus because you're always worried, will somebody find this account that shouldn't be seeing it? Don't mess around with it. You have too many good days ahead for you to waste your time with something that is empty and will only perpetuate dysfunction in your life. 
We've got to tear down the high places. We need to change our dominant picture. And we need to begin to expose our authentic self. Be real. Be you. If you're weird, be weird. If you have a weird laugh, laugh hard. And if anybody else makes fun of you for it, or thinks that you don't match up to the group, or the way that you dress or act, or the goodness of your social handles doesn't fit, then that's a great sign that there are better people for you to surround yourself with. I went to an environment recently where there were people who were all known in different church kind of circles. And I had seen them on different social media presences and in each of those places, they portrayed very excellent, very high class, high quality aesthetic, if you will. And I remember the moment I walked into the room, I felt a dark presence literally emanating from their souls. This is the only way I can describe it. Not to say that there was a demon in there, but what I saw was the contrast between what they portrayed and what I experienced in person. And friends, God's not angry at that because he hates it. God's angry at that because there is so much better for you. God's not mad at you. God's saying, hey, stop giving yourself the stuff that makes you stay up at night tormented by how people think of you. Stop giving yourself the things that make you feel less than a human. Stop giving yourself to stuff that makes you feel less beautiful than I created you to be. I created you in my image. And you're letting these voices that are empty and mean nothing define how you see yourself. But I created you in my image and in my likeness. And I've got a plan for your life. I've got a future for you. I've created and predestined great things for your life. Stop listening to the voices of your screen. Stop listening to the voices of others. Listen to me. I don't need you to come forward, but if that's you, you'd say, you know, I need to change my dominant picture. I know exactly what I need to do. Put your hand on your heart right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to wrap up right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Maybe you got an action item. You know exactly what you need to do right now. When you go home, when you get in your car, exactly which account to delete, exactly which phone numbers to remove from your phone, exactly which apps to delete. And by the way, go tell somebody else, hey, I'm deleting this. Don't let me ever get back on it. It is a waste of my soul space. God, I pray for every person whose hand on, is on their heart, every person who knows, God, I need to change my dominant picture. God, would your word, your view of us, your vision, would, would that dictate how we see ourselves? Not what others think, not what our feeds say, God, you died that we might have freedom. And as your word says, it is for freedom that you set us free. God, we commit now never to return to the place of bondage where we are bound by how others see us. God, let us be bound by how you see us. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Come on, everyone said.